Before we start today's show, I want to give a shout out to our partners for this podcast, Vitality. They are an essential part of me being able to facilitate these conversations. I've been an ambassador now with Vitality for several years and always the one thing that stands out most for me is just how much they care about people's health and are so keen to enhance their experience of life whatever way they can. They understand as much as I do. I think it's never about quick fixes or the one pill fixes everything. It's about the small, healthy, proactive behaviours sustained through a lifetime that can lead to incredible differences. Not only does Vitality protect members with award-winning cover, but they also offer discounts on gym membership, trainers, activity trackers and healthy food too. So you can take the small steps to make the meaningful changes. Head to vitality.co.uk for more information. Terms and conditions apply. Hello and welcome to I Am with me, Johnny Wilkinson. Today's episode is with Rupert Spira. And if you want to hear more about why I'm talking to Rupert and who he is, then do head over to the Tuesday episode just before this one, where I will explain everything as well as I can. These Thursday episodes are just for the guests though. I feel they have so much to offer, so much possibility and opportunity in what they're talking about, what they've been through, and it's a great chat. So I don't want to waste any more time on me. Thanks so much for listening. I'm your host, Johnny Wilkinson. Welcome to I Am with Rupert Spira. So, Mr. Rupert Spire, thank you very, very much for being here. It's a real privilege and honour to have you as part of this discussion. And thank you so much for inviting us into your, your home as well. First of all, how are you? Very well, thank you, John. And not at all, it's a pleasure to be here talking with you. Brilliant. Well, thank you. This is the I Am podcast, centred around potential, human potential and inner transformation. I understand it's something that you've experienced and I would love to hear more about that. So can you give us your definition of transformation? What does it mean to you? Yes, it's perhaps not quite so much a transformation as a, a recognition of uh, something that has in fact always been present and is always the case, but has not been recognised. I don't speak so much in terms of a transformation of ourself, but rather a recognition of our essential self, which we perhaps didn't recognise before because our sense of ourself was so entangled with the content of our experience, with our thoughts, with our history, with our memories, with our activities and relationships. So whilst, whilst everybody has the sense, I am myself, not everybody knows their self clearly because their sense of self is so mixed up with or conditioned by their thoughts, their history, their relationships. And so what I speak about, what I try to lead people towards is the recognition of their essential self. And when I say the essential self, I mean that aspect of us that hasn't been acquired during the course of our lives, that the part of ourself that remains when everything that is superfluous to us or extraneous to us ha has been removed. Sometimes I, I, I liken it to to undressing. Okay. When, when you undress at night, we take off everything that is not essential to us. Our bodies don't become transformed in the experience. Our bodies are just revealed yeah. in okay. the experience. So I, I like the title of your podcast, I Am, because when we say I am, we refer to just the essential sense of, of being, just the fact of being. Yeah. When we say, I am this or I am that, we add something to ourself. And that's the clothing. 
And that's the clothing, exactly. I, I am a mother, I am a father, I am a doctor, I am a nurse, I am a bus driver. We're not always a, a mother or a father, but we, we always are. So once we've taken the clothing off, the, the I am refers to our essential being. The I am this or I am that refers to our essential being plus the conditions, the qualities, the limitations of experience. And as a result of this this mixture of our essential self with the objective elements of experience, our sense of self acquires limitations, conditions. So it, it's a kind of psychological undressing. Yeah. The, the podcast called I Am for that exact reason as to what is that? essential I am and I've, I love the idea that even some of the sages when in translating the the original message have sort of said I am I am is who I am there's nothing more you can add there's nothing more you can be that recognition of that for you were there key moments where it, it sort of took hold, gathered momentum, or was it something that was always taking place for you? Or went that recognition, how did that come about? I was interested in these matters from quite an early age, from my mid-teens onwards. And like many people, I, I travelled, not in fact physically, but, but more intellectually to the East to look for, <laughs> yeah. because this understanding, or, or, although it's it, it is present in, in the Christian tradition, but it's it's buried yeah, underneath okay. of layers of doctrines that have been added later on. So I couldn't find this understanding anywhere in my own culture. So like many people in the, this was now the mid to late 70s, I went um, intellectually east to India and explored I Indian philosophy. But again, like many people, I misunderstood what was being spoken of. Enlightenment, for, for want of a better word, which is awakening is the kind of common word for, for what we're speaking of. And it was always, whether or not it was presented as such, I don't know, but I certainly understood it to refer to an extraordinary, exotic experience, better than any experience one could possibly imagine. So I spent 20 years really striving to have this experience. That, and in, in fact, as you said earlier on, to, to, to transform yeah. myself okay. in, into, into a different kind of self, a, yeah. a higher self, an enlightened self, a realized self. And, and of course, it was a, a frustrating <laughs> project. It wasn't until I was maybe 20 years, after 20 years, that my understanding began to, to change. And I realized that what is referred to as enlightenment or awakening is not an exotic experience. In fact, it's not an experience at all. It is simply the recognition of the nature of our essential self, not a self that we might become if we practice hard enough or study long enough or meditate sufficiently well, the, the self that, that everybody, not, not just those relatively few of us that are interested in these matters, but the, the, the self that all seven billion of us are now, but simply haven't recognized because we, as I said earlier, because we don't see ourselves clearly. That was really a turning point for me when I stopped seeking some extraordinary, marvelous experience. And I realized that what was being referred to was just my essential being underneath the layers of experience. What is this essential being that I am before what I am has been qualified in any way by experience. And that was 
Yeah, that was a, a turning point. It was such a relief. I suddenly realized that what I was looking for was not at an infinite distance from myself. It was closer than close. It, it, I, I was already that. I was looking too far away. It's like the eyes, the physical eyes, trying to see themselves and traveling all the way around the world, looking for, for, for themselves. They can't see themselves, not because they're so far, but because they're, they're so close. In fact, they're closer than close. Yeah. But that was a, a real turning point, that this, this understanding that what is traditionally referred to as uh, enlightenment, awakening, salvation, is not something extraordinary, exotic, out of reach, yeah, okay. only attainable if, if you become a Buddhist or yeah. a this, or you subscribe to a particular person. Or live a certain lifestyle. Or, or lead a certain lifestyle. It's just that the ordinary, intimate, familiar self that everybody already is before it is qualified by experience. So how would you describe or articulate potential? And is it something that actually this enlightenment, this awakening, are there moments for all of us, maybe daily, weekly, monthly, or whatever it be, where we're actually in touch with that? I know I'm talking perhaps from a sporting background, you get that, the in the zone moment that I'd have spent time in where you, you kind of feel like you just transcend the boundaries of time. Because when we talk about human potential, quite quickly the mind goes to that, what can we do? You know, what can we build? How high can you jump? And all these kind of things. But how would you frame potential? And are there are there moments for all of us where we may actually be in touch with this, even though we probably don't recognise it? Yes. Let's go back to the image of our naked body with layers of clothes. So what what is sometimes referred to as the, the ego or the separate self, the apparently separate self, would be our essential self, our essential being, the I am, clothed in thoughts, feelings, um, activities, relationships, and, and, and so on. So most of the time, our, our sense of ourself is conditioned by our thoughts, yeah. by our feelings, by our activities, by our relationships. And this gives us a limited feeling of, of who we are. Now, there, there are times, and, and I would suggest that being in the zone is one of these times, but there are many other times in life not, not related to sports where, where we are temporarily free of the limitations of our thoughts and feelings. In other words, we're just in touch with our essential self. We, we, although we would not formulate it to ourselves as such because we're, we're not thinking about ourselves at that time, but we are free of the, the limitations of our thoughts, feelings, free of our history, free of our relationships. And at that moment, we are just pure, unlimited being. And it always comes with a sense of joy. Okay. Have you ever been miserable in the zone? No, no, of no, course not. You long to be in every sports person longs yeah. to be in the zone because that's when they're relieved of the limitations of their thoughts, feelings, expectations, hopes, disappointments. That's when they're just pure free being, and that's when uh, I would suggest in sports, but actually in any in any activity, that's when we perform at our very best. Yeah, definitely. So, of course, there are still limitations that we have as a mind and a body. If I was in a moment when I was free of, of the, the ego, I was just this pure being, I wouldn't suddenly perform brilliantly as a, as a rugby player no, because, because my body hasn't been trained in that way. However, whatever my body-mind was trained to do, it would do it at its very best yeah. as a result of that. So my potential as a mind and a body would be 
enormously enhanced by feeling myself to be free of the limitations of, of the ego. So it's for, uh, to answer your question, it, it's very closely uh, uh, related to, to potential. That's really interesting, especially about the training part. And when you mentioned about the joy, always being joyful in that zone, that definition of joy, all these definitions, when the word comes up, they can be so tempting to head off into the idea of a, what's joy, it's smiling, it's laughing, it's joking. But in fact, when you're talking about being in the zone, the joy you're talking about is is clarity, it's deep engagement, it's absolute involvement and engagement. And sometimes people, as a rugby player, I tried to find that by thinking almost reverse engineering, I'm always joyful in the zone, so I'm going to kind of be joyful. As you go out onto the pitch, you start trying to smile and trying to laugh. Yes. And of course, it's completely... Yes, irrelevant to that experience. Exactly, because it's it's the the, the trying to be yeah. that that is initiated yeah. by the ego or the separate self that prevents you you from being in in the zone. It, it actually has the opposite effect. When you're naturally in in the zone, basically what is absent is the trying, the sense of yeah. becoming, the sense of limitation. It, it's the ego that is absent. There is just y- your being and your performance. And I would suggest that it's, it's because the nature of our being is joy. That's what the experience of joy or happiness is, j- just the awareness of being. And so when you're in the zone, you're relieved of all the limitations with which you've clothed your yeah. being. And you're just pure being performing. And it, it cannot help but be joyful because the, the very nature of our being is joy or peace, or, or happiness. So when that, when those boundaries are, are softened or dissolved of the self and, and there's that almost more direct experience of the pure being involved, where does intention lie in that? Because I'm putting myself back on the field for the sake of an easier example. That sort of separate being, if you like, is, is maybe much more open and I feel like I'm fully involved, but I still have a knowing of what I want to achieve. On whose behalf am I trying to achieve that? And how does it still rest if I'm dissolving that that clothing? I still know that we need to score and I want to pass the ball to someone and I, and I, I don't... But I doubt you're thinking of any of that. No, I'm in not, the moment. definitely. You think about that beforehand, you but think about it yes. afterwards. If, if you were to watch footage of yourself and, and you were to describe to someone what was going on, yeah. you would say, I, I, was, I was watching where my mate yeah. But were you doing that no, in the moment? No, there's a, there's, you weren't thinking. There's an allowing. There's, there's almost like, like people call it the flowing. You're in the flow. You're, you're in the zone. What does that mean? It means you haven't separated yourself out from the whole as a separate entity. It's not me and everyone else. It's not me and my teammates and the opposition. It's just, it's just one experience. And you, you are part of the flow of that experience. You don't have a sense of, I am an individual. I'm trying to win. Where am I? All of that yeah. comes beforehand when you're training and afterwards when you're analyzing. And I'm not suggesting it's not appropriate to do that. No, you have course. to do all that. Yeah, yeah. But then in the moment, you have to do it. You, I mean, you, you know this much better than I do, or certainly in sports, you, you cannot perform at your best when you're thinking. That, in fact, which actually it, it, it's interrupts actually, it, the performance. It, it's interrupts. So, so really that there is, I, I would suggest that in a way, there's no intention in the zone. You're so at one with the moment. You, you're, you're, not, you're not anticipating what's yeah. coming. You're just totally at one 
with the moment. That's what enables you to perform. In a way, when we see people in sports doing things that most of us think would think were superhuman, when you see something, you just think that that I didn't know that was possible. How is it that that person has performed at a level beyond what we think is possible? It's because it, it is beyond thought that it, they've been relieved of the limitations of thought of the past, of what's possible, what we did on the training pitch, what we worked out on the board. They've been relieved of all that. And that enables us that that's where inspiration comes from. Mm. It enables something inspired to happen that is not just an extension of our past, not just an extension of it's, all the hundreds yeah. of hours on the on it's the training. It's not a deduction or a calculation of what's yes, been we had before. to do all that, yeah. but then you had to forget it. If, if we didn't forget it, then everything we did would just be an extension of the past. It would be good, but it wouldn't be inspired. No. It wouldn't yeah. be great. You know, you, you, you well know you, your, your greatest moments were, they were inspired moments. Yeah, you, you, you thought afterwards, how did I do that? Where did yeah. that come? I didn't train to do that. Well, of course, it was the, you had to do the training, but then you had to f- forget it, be liberated from yeah, it. Definitely. That enables something new to come into the that, situation. That's really interesting because to reference that example, it's quite interesting when you see someone in my position on the field would have been in the middle of play. And often sometimes that deep involvement of the game came with a lack of time. Often when the action heated up and it was quite chaotic, there almost seems to be a surrendering Yes. And and you fall into that. You almost fall into alignment with the energy of the situation and just become at one with it, as you mentioned. But as soon as a referee might blow his whistle and put his hand up and say, you've got a penalty and you're the kicker, you watch the difference in the body language as the kicker then goes into a space of, what about me? Exactly. Save myself, survive as my reputation. When all of that has disappeared, keep my past alive almost. Yeah, exactly. The moment the whistle goes, you know you've got a penalty to take. That's when the... The I, right? The ego rises yeah. again. I what about suddenly me? you feel the weight of the country's expectations. Yeah. You you project forward. What, what if I get this? Yeah. Or what if I don't? One scenario: yeah. my my life will, or the rest of my life will I go in this direction. By this, yeah. If I don't get it, the rest of my life is so, so yeah. that, 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 <laughs> yeah. and that is, of course, of course, yeah. crippling. But the moment before the whistle went, there was no sense of a separate no. I. You were just one with the totality of the situation, flowing with everyone, doing exactly the right thing at the right moment, but with no sense of. I am a separate person doing it. No, exactly. When I work with players, especially in the dead ball situation of kicking a ball, the concept is exactly that liberation of everything. And in that space of liberation, whether you design drills that almost hand themselves over to that being the whole purpose of doing it, the inspired performance or, or just responses that you see in, the, in, in their ability, and it, it almost shocks them. And yet you sort of use a funny example of sort of saying, you know, that took us two minutes. Imagine what you could do with a whole week. But of course, it's the opposite. A week later, they come back, empty shells of themselves, speaking about pressure and expectation. And it brought to me the concept about, or the idea, what what are we doing? And this is a much bigger question when it's posed towards education and society and everything. But what are we doing with preparation for performance because you mentioned about you have to go through the training and the the conditioning of the body sports conditioning as it's called fitness conditioning but that training and that understanding but but it's so often aligned with the idea that that is stress and suffering and that stress and suffering will therefore result in joy as a natural outcome and as for me what that did was when I got those brief moments of absolute joy you attribute it not to 
the straightforward conditioning, you attribute it to the amount of suffering, again, in that almost Christian message. of sort. And they, they, I used to say, well, brilliant, if I want more of those moments, I need to suffer more. Yeah. So I would move away from the idea that it's, it was important for me to be the guy in the change room who left last, who beat himself up hardest for errors, who watched more and more video, who felt the most humiliated when things went wrong, the most shameful when, you know, when mistakes were made and the least joyful when things went well, you know, the least celebratory, the one that didn't do celebrations or, or kind of put his hand up and say, what a great game. I feel great about myself. It was almost, this is the route towards more of that joy is about almost creating more habits of basically avoiding joy. Yes. Yes. I think you've, you've, you've put your finger on it, Johnny. What is the one thing that everybody loves and wants above all else? Happiness. Yeah. And in our culture, we have been educated to, to believe that happiness comes about as the result of the acquisition of some a particular circumstance, a particular situation, an, an object, an activity, a relationship. We, we think that happiness is the result of something that we do achieve, acquire, own, etc. And, and as you say, we then strive towards whatever we think for, for us will be the cause of happiness, whether it's being the best rugby player in the world or the best musician or the, having a family, well, whatever it is for, for us, we, we strive towards that. We, we, we've lost the understanding in our culture that happiness is the nature of being. Happiness is, is where we start from. Happiness is what we essentially are. It's not something we can achieve in the future by, by manipulating our thoughts, our feelings, our physical body, improving our performance. N- n- none of that leads to, to happiness, although we, yeah. we've been educated to believe it is. And, and we push and push and push and push for this elusive goal of happiness, which, which, which we is considered to be in, in the far distance. No, happiness is the, is the very nature of our being. And, and in fact, let's take a situation in, let's just say, football. You, you, w- w- while the game is building up, there is tension, expectation. You're going towards something. That, that's not a state of joy. It's a state of expectation. But when the goal is, is scored, there is an immediate release of tension. Yeah. You're, you're no longer going towards something. You're where you want to be. Surprise, surprise, you feel joy. Of course, the mind says, I feel joy because we scored the goal. No, no, the joy isn't caused by scoring the goal. It's the release. Scoring the goal brings the state of expectation to an end. It brings the thoughts and feelings to an end. And as a result of that, the joy which was already there, already present in you, the joy which is the very nature of your being at that moment was able to shine. Previously, it was clouded by the expectation. And the need, yeah. But the mind misinterprets it. I feel joy because I, because I won the game. Well, if that was the case, once you've won a game, You're you'd done. be joyful for the rest of your life, yeah. are you? Two yeah, minutes later, no, you're yeah, not. Why? Because the mind rises again. It's the next game. The yeah. tension, the expectation builds up, builds up for a week towards that. And then you score the goal. There's a release of yeah. tension and that joy. You think, oh, the, there you are, the joy. It, it must have been caused. I felt it again when I scored a goal. No, that wasn't the cause of the joy. It was just that your, the expectation, the tension, the sense of becoming ceased. And as a result, the joy that is the nature of being at that moment was able to shine clearly. Now imagine if this understanding were to be part and parcel of your training, if you understood that you're not going towards joy, 
you come from that. It doesn't mean to say that we won't um, continue to train. All, all that is still important. But our, our happiness is not invested in the future. Yeah. It's not invested in what happens. Yeah. It's not invested in, 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 in the outcome. Our seeking for happiness in the future comes to an end by, by definition because we're feeling joy now. So the joy and the now always they always take place at the same time. Yeah. The the possibility of it is is phenomenal because even even in the training, that concept of becoming is part of every training drill. As in at the end of this we will be here. At the end of this wait session I will be here. Instead of the payback being instantaneously involved in the the moment itself, such as I sort of reference this with with that sense of flow and that the things that pay back instantaneously are not a case of I will be a, like this at the once I've done this. It's the it's the involvement in it, such as dancing. Nobody really dances because they think, oh, once I've finished dancing, then I'll feel good. It's the dancing itself. And that's what I describe as almost on the field in that moment is you're not seeking anything. You're expressing Yes. You're expressing. Yes. Dancing's a very good example. If you're a, a dancer or, or a, a musician, a, you know, a, a violinist or a pianist, you cannot perform tense. So those are good examples where, where any kind of tension, any kind of expectation, any kind of fear, all Absolutely. of these tension, expectation, fear, they all come from a separate sense of I, a sense of ego. Am, am I, how am I doing? What do people think of me? What's going to be the, all, as soon as that comes in, that, that, that fear, anxiety, tension, expectation, worrying about what other people think, yeah. it translates into tension in the body. Uh, and, and exactly the same exactly in, the same. In, in rugby, exactly the same in all sports, and not just in sports, in, in any field Absolutely, of, yeah. of life, really. Yeah, and physiologically, it makes perfect sense in terms of the efficiency of the body. And, the, and so many people will get this, but getting it and truly experiencing it are really interesting different things. And when you mentioned about that tension, that stress... The interesting thing I would have experienced in the dressing rooms I was involved in is that you have, from an external perspective, this understanding of people when they see these people that there's so much fulfillment there and there's so much worth within the individual. The individual is so worthy because they're doing what they're doing there. They must be so fulfilled that you go into the change room just before the event. I've not been in too many scenarios like that, but what you sense is an enormous fragility and lack, an enormous sense of I'm not enough. I mean, it's rife almost to an extent that, not that I'd ever stereotype or group, but it almost goes hand in hand with performers to a degree. In, in certainly that there's this sense of I'm not enough. Yet in the zone moment, it's almost what is expressed is that sense of I'm all. There's nothing I lack. I am complete, which allows me to to explore what I'm really capable of. And, and it's that expression of my completeness I think the sense of lack and unworthiness comes from allowing our sense of ourself to be conditioned by our by our past, by our expectations, by um, other people's expectations of us. As soon as all of those ideas are mixed in to our sense of ourself, we we then feel I'm not good enough. Yeah. I'm un unworthy. That feeling is translated into the body as tension and we cease performing at um, our best. I, I can well imagine that before a game, a lot of people feel that. Yeah. There's the expectation, yeah. are we good yeah. enough? And after the game, you feel the same. Yeah. The, the same. 
But during the game, as soon as the whistle starts... That's what everyone says, yeah. You're relieved of it. This is why people, perhaps I shouldn't use the word addiction because of the negative connotation. This is why people are, are, are passionate about sport because they know that although it's, it's held before the whistle goes, and for most of the game, you're relieved of this sense. Your sense of self is divested of your family history, your, your, your expectations, yeah. what the world thinks of you, how many people are watching on TV, what the outcome's going to be, what impact on my life is going to be. You're just in the moment and that timeless moment, the moment that everybody longs for. Yeah. And That's it, the it, moment that everybody loves. In a way, for me then hearing that, I really get the sense that, like you said, potential is liberated. It's it's sort of that sense of liberation that goes with it. And, and so many people speak about, you know, it's in the world all around, but around our environment or my old environment, expressions before a game in order to try and calm that tension would be some really, really powerful messages, but they don't touch because they're they're almost reframed by the the conditioning things like just be yourself they, they reinforce just, it they reinforce it yeah just let go be yourself live in the moment don't worry too much about what's going to happen but all of those things they're, they're so powerful but they're also powerfully almost counterintuitive because they just yeah be yourself you then try and you try and be yourself it's not understood it's that power because also in the change room coaches will look at someone if someone's kind of in the corner just loose and reading the the program before the game and kind of having a laugh with someone next to them the most beautiful expression of ease and for me immense preparation it's almost viewed as hey you get your head in you're miles away you know how dare you come on you know you're not ready whereas in fact actually what they're saying is ready is look at this person over here banging their head against the wall saying to themselves i can do this i can do this almost trying to reassure an obvious doubt Yes. Whereas the doubt is missing in the person that's saying, this moment is beautiful, it's enough, I'm enough. Yes. And I'm almost practicing and preparing and performing right now what I'm aiming to perform in 10 minutes' time. Exactly. Yes, there's, there's, no, there's no discrepancy between the mindset beforehand and the mindset d- during. I, I had a tennis coach once that I played with in America and he at the time was um, coaching one of the top, 10 under 14 girls in the, okay. in, in the world. And he told me a story about her that every time she made a mistake, she smiled. Okay, right. Yeah. It was brilliant. Yeah. That, that's it. That's the story. Yeah, that's perfect. <laughs> because yeah. What, what do we normally do yeah. when we make a mistake, uh, we lose a point in tennis, so there's someone, the, the, the opponent score a try or yeah, a goal yeah. to go. We, we immediately, the, the separate self rises up and we go... We, we go down on, yeah. on ourselves. We blame ourselves or somebody. Immediately, the, we're out of the flow. We separate ourselves from the whole as an as an independent yeah. self, and then we we, we blame ourselves if the goal's been yeah. scored against us. If it's <laughs> us that scored the goal, we give ourselves credit. But either way, we we extract ourselves from the whole and become a part. What what does smiling when you make a mistake? What does smiling do? It erases that habit. In other words, it places you back in the now. It, it, it counteracts the habit of, of the, the separate self or ego rising up and saying, 
I did it, aren't I wonderful? Or I made a mistake, aren't I awful? What's interesting about it, it wasn't a psychological exercise. It was a physical exercise yeah. it, because it was a smiling. It's difficult to be, to be down on oneself and smile at the yeah, same definitely. time. It just erased the tendency of, of separating yourself out from the totality, either as a great success or, or as a great failure, and therefore placed herself in exactly the right position yeah. to face the next ball without fear or tension. Yeah. It's immensely powerful. And you mentioned before a little bit about, which I'm really, really interested in, we're talking about liberating potential and how that references or, or coincides or corresponds with that feeling of being in the now. And that time issue, we've been speaking a lot about past and what that means. And yet direct experience, which I know is, is a great basis of that that sort of self-investigation and non-dual understanding, that direct experience tells us only that there is just now and yet we seem to rely on so much me, especially in terms of this is what I've been through, according to my memory and my understandings of it. And it's made me who I am. Almost that construct prevents me from living in the now. Yes. And, and, and it conditions your response in the now to whatever situation you, you may face. Okay. For instance, whatever you, you are now, whatever yourself is, yourself is obviously present now. So if you were to want to make this investigation into your who you essentially are, you wouldn't have to reach back into your past. No. You reach into your present yeah. experience because yourself yeah. is present now. So if I were to say to you, without referring to the past, tell me about yourself. Yeah, you have only have experience. What would you say? Yeah, I am. Would, would, would you say I am a rugby player? No, no. you have no experience of being no. a rugby player now. But anything you talk about, from a physical perspective, would relate to the past. Would relate to the past. Yeah. Even if I asked you that question in the middle of a game, if you yeah. could freeze the game and I say to you, Johnny, don't refer to your past. You, yourself is present now. Therefore, in order to access it or, or know yourself, you don't need to reach into your past. So don't refer to the past. Who are you now? You wouldn't say I'm a rugby player. No. You wouldn't even say I'm a person. You close your eyes. There are a few physical sensations present but you don't actually have an experience of being a person you just have the awareness of being yeah everything else that we add on to that experience limits ourselves and ha and has to have come from elsewhere and, and comes from from knowledge so if if we are able to have access in ourselves just just to this pure sense of being just the awareness of being and for that to be our the place where we live and then, of course, we still, we have a body and a mind. It, it, still, it, it still functions. But its function is to express the qualities that are innate in our being. In other words, our body and the mind is used in the service of, of being rather than in, in the service of a, of a fearful, anxious, apparently separate self or ego. So all the qualities of the body and the mind that we train, all, all of that remains. That can be trained, but, but it's liberated from serving this illusory sense of a self yeah i mean the, the the concepts of therefore through knowledge and understandings and past experiences you know whatever those understandings or that's just memory anyway but all that gathering we're talking about that as potentially being the clothing as, as you say from a very early age we're, we're having experiences that we resist we don't understand them we're not able to process them so they get that they, in a way, they get laid down in, in, in the in the deepest layers okay. of our mind, and and this um, storehouse of uncomfortable feelings that is laid down early on in life is, is then also translated into 
tensions in, in, in the body. And this early trauma, it builds up in us, in the mind and, and corresponding counterpart in the body. To use our analogy of clothing, it's like layer after layer after layer after layer of clothing. And so by the time that most of us get to, to young adulthood, our sense of ourself is profoundly influenced by, dependent upon all of these traumas that, that we've experienced through our life. So it takes some unraveling. Yeah. You have to go back through the layers, all the way back. And not just the, the sort of one's surface thoughts yeah. and immediate feelings, but through the layers that have been accumulated in the, in the mind and the tensions in the body till we go all the way back through that to our essential being, the I am. Yeah. But the I am before it is qualified by the content of experience. If we make the get in the habit of going all the way back there and resting there, that that acts as a kind of, it's like a kind of dissolving agent. The layers are gradually dissolved. That's really, really interesting because at times that you can apply some kind of logic to these things, you know, you sort of see a situation, you kind of, oh, I've, I've, oh that's because of this and you can work it out. But there are times, certainly for me in my life, where things just come up out of nowhere. And then suddenly the mind is recruited by the feeling or the, the feelings exacerbated by the mind's thought process. And, and suddenly you're down a space where you become almost a different person. Yes. And suddenly you're, you're, you're saying things, you're thinking, I would never say this. And I'm seeing things a certain way. They say, I would, this is ridiculous to how I, how I know myself yes. to be. And yet you become consumed by those. Yes. Layers, if you like, because something, something in the current situation, which to somebody else might it might be so yeah. um, trivial that they may not even notice it, but for you, it, it triggers one of these deep-seated yeah. layers, yeah. and it can be tiny. It can be just what your partner says to you in yeah. passing, or, yeah. or, or it can be the tiniest thing. But yeah. it it puts you back for that moment. You're a five-year-old boy with your father ignoring you, or, yeah, or, or yeah. whatever the trigger be. has been. Yeah. And of course, to, to an outsider, it's completely irrational. Johnny, don't be silly. I yeah. just, I just, yeah. I said, but yeah. for you, it, it's very real. You are re-experiencing that trauma. Exactly. And so it's really interesting because like I said, there's that, for me, I had a very interesting relationship with, or when I say had, I'm a sort of, it still have experiences of this relationship with a fear. And my understanding at the time when I was young was almost to overcome it, to protect myself against it, to, to, to stave it off, to, to conquer it, whatever it be. It was about perfectionism, achieving and those kind of things, as much as they were probably more irrational from a young mind and as they got more subtle through an older mind, but they're there in the way that you're thinking about things coming up or the way that you're thinking about things gone by. And it's also part of, I think, everybody's experience that there is a clothing there. What is that preparational or that opportunity and how does it take place that, that you can come to that direct experience of that I am or we can or we can sort of remove these layers go back to the the example you you gave of fear as a child what 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 was it or who was it that was afraid what what were you protecting well you're not talking about fear of your body you weren't in physical danger it's not that kind of fear so it was a it was a psychological entity it was your sense of yourself you felt that you were afraid you felt I am afraid but was your being just the fact of being? 
Was it in danger at at that moment? No, no. So it was something. It wasn't your essential being and it wasn't your body that was afraid. Somewhere in between the two, there is this illusory, ultimately illusory sense of self that is afraid, anxious, and and that it's quite possible to lead a, a whole life whose purpose is to defend and enhance that illusory sense of self. In fact, many people do spend their whole lives defending and enhancing their sense of self. Without ever meeting that self or getting a chance to. Without (laughs) ever investigating the self clearly enough to realise that that there is something called a self, if we can call it so, that that there is being, that that there is the experience of being, if we can call that that, that, that a self or, or the self. But the self that is afraid, we're not talking about physical fear here or the, 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 the self who is um, anxious psychologically afraid that self when we look for it is, is, is not there and imagine if at those times in your childhood that you had felt afraid and anxious that you had the tools to go to realize that fear and anxiety they're feelings but what happens if I go back further take a step back from my feelings to, to the to the being to the sense of I am that is behind when we say i am afraid i am anxious i am excited i am in love the i am is always the same we're not always afraid we're not always anxious we're not always in love we're not always excited but we always are i always am so the, the, the the fear is temporary but the i am is essential imagine in those moments of fear as a child if we had the tools to have not got immersed in the fear and, and then to have built a life around accommodating in it and, and coping with it, but had, had been able to go through, take a step back from the fear to the being behind it and to realise that being is not, is not threatened. Just going back to one's fear, that is the cure yeah. for the fear. You don't have to spend the rest of your life doing whatever one would normally do yeah. to, 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 to accommodate the fear. All you need to do is go back one step further back to your being, which is already inherently free of fear. That is the cure. But the, the interesting thing is, rather than take a step back, the almost conventional and, and accepted form is to take a step forward into it, to, re- to try and reassure the fear and feed it with reassurance and, y- and what to, have you. Yes, exactly. To, to do something that will either get rid of it yeah. Or to prevent us having to fully feel it. Yeah. So let's okay. say we have the feeling I am afraid. Uh, we go to the we go to the fridge, to the bottle, to the video, yeah, to okay, the yeah. whatever our particular yeah. object or substance is. And sure enough, when you eat the food, have the drink, we are distracted from our fear. At yeah. that moment, we do feel relief from the fear, and as a result of that. We briefly taste the joy of being, okay. but we wrongly attribute the joy of being to the, to the sandwich, yeah. the, the, the beer. And we think, oh, if I have more of that, yeah. I do more of that, I'll get more relief yeah. from my fear. And then when you have the next drink, you think, oh, yes, it does. Yeah. I do feel in that moment you're relieved of the tension of the fear. Yeah. The, the innate joy of your being briefly shines. Yeah. We wrongly attribute it to the to winning the match, to yeah. having the drink, whatever it is, and hence the addiction. And we spend our life in pursuit of objects, substances, circumstances, trying to get rid of the fear without realizing that what we actually experienced in that moment when the 
when, when the fear came to an end, it wasn't the, winning the match, scoring the goal, having the dream. It was in that moment that, that the tension of fear briefly came to an end. Which is a possibility available at all times. Through and and the joy of being, which is a possibility available at all times to all people in all circumstances, that joy of being just shone in that moment. And we felt, we felt relief f- from, from the fear just because our innate joy of being came out of hiding in the background, so to yeah. speak. It ceased being clothed by the content of our thoughts and feelings. And it just shone briefly and we experienced that as happiness. And so by stepping back, by going towards passion, joy, by going towards that sense of relaxation when everything is saying do the opposite is that where that meditative I, I, state yes, comes I in? think there are two approaches really that, that was a physical approach we, we noticed this correlation between joy which is a feeling and relaxation in the, the body it's very difficult to be joyful and tense at the same time it's very difficult to smile and for there to be tension in your face. What is a smile? It is a relaxation yeah. of tension. What is yeah. laughter? It's a full-bodied relaxation of tension. It's almost impossible yeah. to be tense and laugh at the same time. It, in relation to the 14-year-old tennis player, it's almost um, impossible to have negative thoughts about myself. Oh, why have I failed again? And to smile at the same time. So there's this very close correlation between uh, physical body and and our uh, emotional state. So in this case, it's an approach where we put the body in the the posture, in the position that it is naturally in when it is free of the tension of fear, anxiety, expectation, and so on. If If you release them emotionally, it has an effect on you physically. You release them physically, it has an effect on you emotionally. You, you, you referred, mentioned earlier during the game, you drop your shoulders. Yeah. It's very difficult to be tense with your shoulders. What happens when you tense? The first thing you do. So if, if there's an emotional release of tension, your shoulders naturally drop. However, if as an exercise on the, on the pitch, you say to yourself, breathe deeply, drop your shoulders, smile. That's a physical action, but it has an emotional counterpart. And you can do either. Just taking one deep breath, it's very difficult to be tense and to breathe deeply at the same time. Yeah. And because of this very close correlation between the, our emotional state and our physical body, it works both ways. And so the exercise of meditation, is that more of a, a total approach to, to this kind of... Yes, I, I think so. The, 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 the smiling in between the points, the taking yeah. a deep breath, the relaxing your shoulders, that's something you do for, 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 for five seconds in between, while the ball's out of play in the middle of a game. But yes, as a general approach, yes, meditation, although in a, it'd be nice not to use the word meditation because yeah, it, yeah, it, 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 it suggests this, something we do with the mind towards some kind of goal whereas in meditation in this context would would be simply uh, uh, letting go of all the the thoughts memories feelings expectations and and just coming back sinking back into just the sense of being that the sense i am so that just the sense of being beca- becomes increasingly our sense of ourself so that we when we think of ourselves we don't think oh i am so-and-so with this history, with this relationship, with these qualities, with these faults. No, just when we think about self, when we feel ourselves, we just go to the experience of being. And that experience of being, if we go to that experience of being now, 
we had gone to that experience yesterday, two years ago, 10 years ago, or when we were two-year-old kid, it's the same. Yeah. It's the same. It does not change one jot whether we win the match or we lose the match. The, yeah. the, the, the pure sense of being before the game is identical to the pure sense of being after the game, irrespective of what's taken place during the game or, or what the score is. And, and that the nature of that being is joy peace so so yes that the the attitude that the would be to yes to, to, to regularly undress psychologically yeah, yeah. to go back to our original yeah. to travel back in oneself through the layers of experience discarding the thoughts the feelings the everything that that, that we've acquired going back just to this pure sense of being and making that to begin with it we feel we we visit our being briefly from time to time but the more we go there the more we feel we we live there as that to make it one's one one's new default identity to operate from that and then so that one's sense of being is not just something one visits from time to time in between all one's other yes. activities relationships but it is the place where one one lives one lives from that yeah and my experience is that the more we do this fewer and fewer experiences have the capacity to take us away from that. Yeah. So when someone says something to you now, which, which uh, reminds you of the way your father yeah. spoke to you <laughs> when you were a five-year-old boy, you don't go back to the five-year-old boy. You go back to your being. Yeah. Is your being affected by, by the words that, that this guy? No, yeah. they were just... They were just innocuous words. Yeah. They, they didn't hurt you because there's no, nothing rose up to meet them and say, I don't like this. Yeah. No, your being was just open, just heard the words. No problem. The words don't hurt me. So it seems like a very small thing, just returning to one's essential being, the essential I am and living from that as that. But it has a profound effect on it would have a profound effect in, in, in relation to sports, but, but actually on relationships, on, on every aspect of I mean, one's life. I, I, I completely agree. And within sports are an incredible mini nutshell version of everything because within there you've got some really intense relationships going Absolutely. on. You've got, the, you've got yes. the performance, you've got the leadership angle, you've got the health and well-being, which is another thing I might want to touch on in a second. But it's really interesting for me in terms of looking at how that the past becomes that sort of gathering if, you, if it's allowed to become a gathering. That therefore, in terms of what's happening now, understanding the, the the opportunity in the way we respond to what's happening now to therefore not contribute to that. So I sort of, like you said about the smile, is that after a while, if your smile reaction to a failure or an apparent failure, but the smile and the reaction means it's not a failure, then there's no gathering for the yes. for the future you. I know we're not talking yes, about past it, and future. Yes, it doesn't trigger the, the weight of your past history. And so each one of those smiles and a commitment to saying, coming back to the being almost, is building that momentum of liberation almost. The, 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 for me, the, the, the sense of momentum gathered by each one of those triggers, the more you delve into trying to reassure it, like you said, going to the bottle or the fridge or whatever it is. And, and to, if, if, the, if it's the constant recycling almost of that past, albeit different formulations of it when it comes out, the getting someone in touch with their potential is for them to be to liberate themselves from that cycle and to experience new and to, exactly. and to touch yes. that higher intelligence it's just to free them 
from their past conditioning. Yeah. Because if we're not free from our past conditioning, our future cannot be more than simply an extension of our past conditioning. Yeah, yeah. But to be free from your past conditioning, then there are no limits on the future. Of course, there is a, a physical limit, but the physical limit is so much less yes. than the physical limit that is determined by our past. Yeah. And, and that's when inspiration comes in sports, but actually in any field of life. You know, take a situation in a in a changing room before a game instead, and, you, and, and you've lost three, yeah, your last yeah, three matches. And, and if you were then, imagine if you were not to refer back to the past, but if you could have some simple uh, question, tell me what you know about yourself now without reference to the past. Would there be any fear or anxiety <laughs> there? None at all. And, and, and how difficult... Is it is that to access? W would someone say, you know, oh, sorry, I don't understand the question, or, or would you have to think? No, you can ask anybody. Just tell me about yourself now, but don't refer to the past. <laughs> now, in order to answer that question, actually, you, you don't really mind what they are. The, the, the point is not to get an answer. The point is for that person, instead of going back to their past, where, as you say, all the fear and anxiety... Yeah. They're going to their self. You don't really mind what, what they say in answer to the yeah. question, but you do want them to go to their self, to have access to their self, which in that moment is completely free of conditioning yeah. and therefore free of fear and anxiety. You are just by asking them that simple question, you are placing them in the best possible position to play with freedom, innovation, creativity. Yeah. It's, it's amazing. People talk about the stigma of talking about mm -hmm. issues and those sort of things, but even the idea about, these kind of conversations we're having within that environment, there'd be a stigma to it. There's a even slight, there's probably a stigma to meditation as an attitude. It, it, it's for softies, weirdos. Yeah, uh, or people that, that, not so much bowing out, but people that you know, don't have that drive or passion, you know, to go. Yes. But in fact, actually, it brings me to the next thing about with that side of being yourself and how does that play with what you want to manifest physically in your world, your dreams and ambitions? For example, there's a lot being spoken about in terms of, you know, the, the kind of law of attraction perspective of life and how the universe works in terms of the vibrational frequency of the individual and the thoughts and the whatever it be. How do you see that in terms of goal setting and achieving? Because from the physical perspective, identified with this is me, mind and body from the past, this is me, my clothing, it's very much a I've got to do it. I've got to, I've got to make it happen. I've got to compete against everyone else. I've got to compare myself to everyone else. I've got to be better, be more worthy. I've got to deserve it more and so on. How does it work for you in terms of what you want to achieve? And how do you, how do you look to bring that about? I, I think one thing that happens is that because one's sense of oneself is derived more from one's being, than from one's intellectual, physical abilities, from one's past, and so on. I notice I compare myself less and less okay. with other people. My, my sense of my own identity, I don't see it in relation to yeah. other people because my sense of myself is not derived from comparison with other people. It's derived from, from my being. I think something that is quite often misunderstood is that people often think that someone who is... Um, interested in these matters no longer has any desires yeah, or ambitions sure. or yeah. it, it's not that it's just that one's desires and ambitions and plans and so on they no longer rise on behalf of the fearful 
anxious, insecure, depressed self. They come from somewhere deeper in you. They're still filtered through your character. Okay. So for this reason, different people desire different things. That depends on on their, their particular mind and body. But one would no longer choose where one lived or the activities one engaged in or the work one did uh, to compensate for this ultimately illusory sense of self, the sense of self that is built on fear and anxiety. And therefore one's one's life, it, it, it unfolds more in response to the, to the qualities that are true of our essential being, not the, the illusory self. So, so the, the peace, the joy that is the, the very nature of the being, our character as a person, including our, our desires, our ambitions, our plans, are informed by those qualities more than being a compensation for the feeling of lack, anxiety, fear. And so on. Is that where, when people speak about finding your higher purpose, or when I say higher, I just mean you're you're finding your purpose. Exactly. Exactly. One's one's higher purpose, for want of a a better phrase. The purpose of one's life is no longer to to accommodate the feeling of fear and anxiety or to numb it or avoid it or or, or to enhance oneself. No, the purpose of one's life is, is, is for one's body and mind to express... The, the, the qualities that are the essential nature of your being. And because every the essential nature of, of our being is the same in everyone, yeah. but the qualities of the mind and the body are different in everyone. So everyone is going to express this differently. This is, it's very powerful because something I experienced, I mean, lifelong just happened to manifest itself in, in the, in the sport side of things as well, naturally, because that's part of life. And it was something that meant a lot to me. I had a two or three, well, three or four year injury period. And during that experience, probably what a lot of other players are talking about when it comes to the end of a career, where there was that, that sense of lack really shone through because there wasn't the bottle and the fridge available for me, which was playing, covering it up by being in front of crowds, by having a huge goal I could properly sort of my only way at that time was physical so I had to be on the pitch kicking a ball to feel like I'm worthy and then there was the you know the 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 kind of meetings and the reviews and the games and everything that was completely gone not available and therefore the 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 lack was just saying you know you you can't appease me a lot of players are getting that at the end of careers and a lot of people are getting that in retirement stages I imagine and at various times during lives and everything and a lot of speaking about that sense of lack and not fitting in, not belonging, unable to contribute, but also talking about no longer being able to find their passion, not having the same passion. A lot of them try and revisit that by going straight into coaching, attempting comebacks, going and doing this, going to whatever they can to try and almost find something close enough to, to whatever it was. But when you're talking about that, that true nature shining through the mind, the body, almost, is that a natural passion? Is that, is that passion finding itself? Is that a movement towards passion? Or because a lot of people are seeing passion as belonging in the thing. Rugby, rugby or sports, my passion. And if I can't play sport, then I'm going to have to find another passion. 
and almost kind of try out all these other things and you know all these all these other clothes on for example that aren't gonna you know they don't fit doesn't fit doesn't fit but if you go back into yourself is that part of coming back to passion as well i think the the crisis that a sports person faces at towards the end of their career is that the activity that they have invested their identity in their sense of their self is coming to an end and therefore when all of that is taken away there's a, a sort of empty feeling feeling of yeah. not being valuable not being worth it and then to compensate for that feeling of emptiness well a healthy a reasonably healthy way of doing that is to go into coaching commentating yeah. and an unhealthy way and we, we there, there are well-known examples you you you, you turn to to drink or, yeah, of course, or yeah. but what are we doing in that case? We are engaging some kind of activity or, or substance to fill up or avoid the sense of emptiness that's left when the activity that we previously invested our sense of self in has come or is coming to an end. And that, in it's a great opportunity. I mean, it's an opportunity that you, you are obviously taking. It's an opportunity not just to substitute one activity with, for another yeah, sure. activity, but, but to, to have the courage to, to face the, the void, the sense of lack, and instead of reaching for the proverbial bottle, whatever it is, to take the opportunity to, to explore, investigate the sense of lack. When I say, I feel empty, I am like, who is this self? It's obviously not my body. Is it my being? No, my, my, my being is the same now as it, it, as it has always been. It doesn't fluctuate. It's a, that crossroads that you face at the end of your career, it's a great opportunity. Yeah, sure. But that would be a very powerful time to introduce this, this possibility that what the satisfaction, the joy, the peace that people really seek is not through fulfillment, through activities, relationships, substances, and so on. It is, it is their own being. That, that would be the time to, a very potent time to, to begin this, this exploration. Yeah, definitely. I think just the nature of it as well, it's, it's, I find the idea about the, the quiet, peaceful, the sitting with, the allowing, the, the meditation, if, if you like, for that expression, it's a, it's a really such an interesting journey Whereas people like myself might be used to is a bit more of a tangible one. Numbers and figures, you know, you go into a, yes. a training yeah. session, you've got your weights, you push this. And at the end of it, you get that immediate release of the, the hormones that make you feel like, wow, I've done a load of work. I feel good about myself. And you, you try and almost transfer that into, well, my meditation, I'm going to sit there for however long. And then this will happen, like you said, the enlightenment idea. And then I'm going to get a boof moment where I'm going to go, ah. Oh. Yeah. It, it, it's very true. Pe people often... I, I hear it often, I can't meditate. Okay, all right. It's like saying I can't breathe. Yeah. I can't walk. <laughs> it, it's, why? Because they have an idea that, that, that when, you, when you meditate, you enter into some kind of blissful, yeah, okay. peaceful yeah. state really in true. which there are no thoughts. No, what about if you simply change the definition, as you just implied a few minutes ago, you change the definition of meditation simply to this, that instead of avoiding an uncomfortable feeling, you face it. Is that something that anybody cannot do? So I feel this void, this sense of lack. And, and my, my impulse is to go to the proverbial bottle, the 
whatever the equivalent is for, for each of us. Instead of doing that, and that is, of course, an avoidance of the sense of this is, this is unbearable, this sense of emptiness, this sense of like, I can't bear it. I want something or someone to distract me from it. And what about in that moment? If we said, no, I'm going to do the one thing that I've probably never done in sure. my life. I felt this sense of lack from the age of three, two, three years, years old, and I've always more or less successfully managed it or yeah. avoided it. I'm now going to do the one thing I've never done, which is just sit down, close my eyes, and turn towards it instead of turning away from it. That's it. That's meditation. That That, that would be meditation it's not something you can't do it's not something it's nothing to do with achieving a, a peaceful state or even changing one state on the contrary it, it, it's it's ceasing trying to change one state and simply facing something which one previously considered to be unbearable but which actually if we face it we find it's not unbearable. It wasn't really the feeling itself that was unbearable. it was our rejection of it that was uncomfortable. If we withdraw that rejection of the uncomfortable feeling and simply face the discomfort of the feeling, it, it loses much of its discomfort. Is it a reasonable representation to suggest that a movement in that direction is a movement towards the Absolutely. true self Absolutely. and a movement away? And, and those two, yes. if we use it in that respect movement towards is a movement towards joy and a movement away is a movement into anxiety and stress. You're right. Instead of turning away from the feeling, we turn towards it. We open ourselves to it. We just, we don't do anything to it. We, we just, we just face it. We allow it. We welcome it. And that's the first step towards taking one step back and asking ourselves the question, okay, what is it that is facing this feeling? What is it that is aware of this feeling? I am aware of this feeling. Who, who am I? I'm just this, I'm just that which is aware of the experience. What I'm aware of, in this case, the feeling of emptiness. I, that which is aware of them, am inherently free of all these afflictive emotions. In other words, my nature is, is, is peace. And, and, and the interesting thing, as we've mentioned at the beginning, is that the momentary glimpse of this can come at the, the idea of actually, you know, when the game is won or the big moment happens, Absolutely. But, but it's so yes. fleeting. It's so fleeting. But two things. One, it's so fleeting because immediately the, the, the feeling, the, the, the ideas, the feelings, they, they rise again, aren't I great? And so the, the, the separate self comes back again and, and uh, obscures the, this, this never the satisfied, never joy happy, needs being. more. So it, it's fleeting. But not only that, we wrongly interpret its cause. We think it was scoring the goal, yeah. winning the game, having the drink, finding the relationship, buying the house. This is what caused the joy that I briefly felt. And therefore, if I try that much harder to win the next game, to get the next relationship for the next drink, and in this way, there's a, an, an endless cycle of, of seeking, acquisition, fleeting moment of joy or peace and then the next round of seeking is initiated and eventually this leads to addiction whereas all that is required is is to to understand that the this brief moment of joy that we felt was not caused by any of those objects substances activities and so on it was the cessation of 
the seeking, resisting impulse, and as a result, the shining, so to speak, of the the quiet joy of being. A lot of the talk around this is about coping, managing, dealing with these issues, which in itself, the very nature of anyone talks about, I've got quite a lot to manage at the moment. You sort of get immediately like, well, that must sound stressful. Whereas the sense I'm getting about this is that you're moving into a space that it's not, you know, because it's boundless, it's not really a space, but you're moving into possibility. You're, you're absolutely right. To use an analogy, does the space of this room, when we came in here this morning, does the space of this, I'm caricaturing the space of this room, does the space of this room think, oh, goodness, I've got a lot to cope with now, I've got an interview going on, I better be... No. Yeah. Does the space yeah. think, it's, is it under pressure? Yeah. Is, it, is it stressed? Has it got a lot to go? If we started arguing, what would the space do? Would it get uptight about yeah. it? Would yeah. it, would, <laughs> it wouldn't mind at all. Yeah. Just, just, well, in, in a way, we, and I, I refer to us now as the, the, the space of awareness, the, pre- the witnessing presence of awareness, that, that which knows or is aware of our experience, it is never stressed by what it is aware of. And that's not something we have to develop. It's not something we need to spend 30 years of our life training not to be stressed. No, our nature is by definition unstressed and unstressable. All one needs to do is recognize one's essential nature and, and make it one's starting point, make it the place where we, to begin with, we visit it, so to speak, from time to time. But, but increasingly, we make it the place where we, where we live. So something, it doesn't mean to say that, that difficult situations don't arise. Of course, difficult situations arise for all of us. But they arise, they don't, they don't immediately trigger these old, this old series of, 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 of associations. No, we just go back to our to our being, we, we, we recognize I am that which is aware of this situation and that which is aware of the situation is free of the situation. It, it is knowing it, it, it is aware of it and it is in, inherently free of stress. It doesn't mean to say that I dissociate from the situation and don't have anything to do with it. No, I, I may be required to, to be involved, to interact, to make a decision, to perform some action, but we do so not from a position of stress, anxiety, fear. Yeah. We, we do so from this place in ourselves, which is free of all of those emotions and therefore best able to make a decision or to perform an action that is in service of, of the whole. Yeah, of inclusive, yeah. That, yeah that, wow. that is inclusive, exactly. And then it doesn't serve any particular person. It's, it's, it's the best possible outcome for all parties it's, concerned, yes. It's so powerful when, I mean, for example, in sport, the whole thing is based around how do you deal with pressure? But you're, the, instead of beginning the first question of what is pressure, who's under pressure, how does that, because I know from my perspective, when I was 18 and just joined a new club and you're full of the unknown, is a friend to you. And then suddenly, because you're, you're open with it, you're unknown, the, the unknown becomes your friend. And then five, six years down the line, when you've won, apparently won some things and people are talking about you and you've this, now you've got so much known about you from your past. And now all you talk about is pressure, expectation, fear of failure. And yet you look at the two situations. It yeah. is just player, pitch, ball, game. Yes. It, and yet one with- is seeing it as... <gasps> Yes. Opportunity, and the other is seeing it as failure. Opportunity, yes, exactly. Fail. Because to, to begin with, you, you, your, your sense of yourself was 
at least to a large extent. It was, it was derived from yourself. It wasn't derived from your expectations, your failures, your successes. Whereas five years later, you have an image of yourself. You're no longer really in touch with yourself as you really are. You're an image of yourself, which is largely gleaned from what other people yeah, say about you and, and yeah, expect yeah. of you and criticize you. Yeah. And so that you take that in and it becomes your new felt sense of, of yourself. What does that do for health and well-being in, in its terms around body and mind? Is there you know, the obvious thing about being away from stress, being in that space of inspiration? For you, example, from your experience, what does your life from a health and well-being perspective feel like compared to you know, other moments where you might be able to, to compare it? I think it has a very profound um, effect on health and well-being. And of course, the the, the well-being of the body, the health of the body is very closely connected to our emotional yeah. well-being. So if our sense of ourself is derived from ourself, from, from just the fact of being, there's, as we've said, there's less stress, there's less fear, there's less anxiety, and therefore less need to compensate for those feelings and, and avoid them. No need uh, to compensate through excess working, excess yeah, eating, sure. excess yeah. drinking. We don't require continuous stimulation from substances. It doesn't mean to say, I'm not suggesting that, that, that we don't enjoy a glass of wine or, course, or that we yeah. never have a cup of coffee. I'm, I'm not su- su- suggesting, or, or that we may not work hard, but we don't do any of things as compensations yeah. for the increasing sense of dissatisfaction and void. And is that where, where the word, just the simple thing of people saying you need a balance to your life, but when you're compensating and there's need, how do you keep those plates spinning? Whereas versus when it's coming from a place of... Exactly, exactly. If one's sense of self is, is still invested in the content of one's experience, in one's past, in one's, in one's thoughts and feelings, one's activities, one's relationships, other people's expectations then even if we were to impose balance on our life yeah. through di- a, a regime yeah, of diet yeah. exercise <laughs> yeah. it's not going to it doesn't address the underlying cause which yeah. is your felt sense of separation as long as that is active however much yoga you do however yeah, yeah. however pure your diet however much you exercise that's going to make some difference but but sooner or later the underlying tension that comes from this deep belief and uh, feeling of our self as a temporary finite separate self is going to emerge and uh, sooner or later the the cracks in in, in our regime yeah, yeah. Will, will begin to show so i suggest a, a, the opposite approach where we go first to the underlying sense of being which is inherently free of stress, anxiety, and and we make that our our starting point, and that we then develop a life that is an expression of that, and that includes diet, exercise, yeah. and, and but it's not our lifestyle is then not a, a compensation for the sense of lag. Yeah. It is simply a natural expression at the level of the body and the mind with something that we we are already in touch with in ourselves. One thing I'd like to sort of round up on is an interesting question, and maybe it'll bring up a few things, but one of the questions that hit me right in the middle of that injury period when I suddenly realised a lot of the injuries I was going through were puts me in a way of saying, you may never play again. So at 24, that could be it. And suddenly I was looking back thinking, blimey, have I made the most of this? Yeah, I've won a load of things, and this started the ball rolling in this sort of space of being like, but, but that's nowhere near enough. So if it's not there, how do I ever get to say... I've made the most of this career. And I thought, but that's going to be 
a life question when I'm when my life finishes, whenever that is, I'll also be able to say, well, how do you make the most of life? How do you make the most of anything? So many people are talking about smelling the rose and making the most of every moment. But the question being, what is a life well lived? And how would you paint that picture? I think a life well lived would be a life where we've had the courage to face all these feelings of lack, fear, sorrow, anxiety, and so on, instead of uh, avoiding them, suppressing them, that we'd had the courage to, to, to face them, to explore them, and to penetrate through them, to go through them, to find a sense of yourself that, that lies prior to that, and then to allow that understanding to then inform yeah. one's thoughts and feelings and one's subsequent activities and relationships. So it would be a life where we, we cease avoiding, suppressing, compensating. We first have the courage to turn around and face the thing that we are fleeing from yeah okay to face it uncomfortable as it is it's not going yeah, to be peaceful pretty you're not going to sit there with a beaming smile no. on your face it's, it's uncomfortable having the courage to stay there and and then to slowly sink down deeper than that to go through back through the layers of discomfort the feeling to to make touch with this essential sense of self or being and then to allow that to begin to inform our thoughts and feelings and and the way we live and, and act and relate in the world, whatever that would mean for each of us. Same sense of being, but expressed differently in every single person's case. It's, it's, I mean, the way that it, I've heard that expressed, well, not necessarily that, but I've, I've had something expressed to me was the, head and, the relationship between head and heart in a sort of metaphorical term, I guess, more in that the, the heart when I was younger and it was just exploration and expression and and just that powerful sense of vibrancy sort of almost clothing that or burying that with the head in terms of its ideas and what's right and wrong and suddenly I found myself in a position where everywhere I went I was almost again metaphorically stooped over because I wanted my head in there first guarantees everything's okay everything's right how I want it to be and then it's like okay heart you can come in but the heart never does yes because the yeah. head still stays ahead and it's almost that ability for me in a playing sense was to bring the head back and let the heart lead, which in terms of the relationship with the unknown is exactly that. As soon as that possibility was there, I wanted to flee from it. The concept that actually, that it's okay in there and that, and that actually I'm going to take a step, a bit like in those cartoons where they start running and the step appears just before the foot hits. Yes, yes. But you run anyway, because there's a deeper knowing that the step is there physically meant you know i can't see it i can't feel it i can't smell it i can't touch it i can't taste it but i'm going into that space because not because it, at the sense there was danger there and it was a irrational move from a physical perspective but we're talking like you from a psychological perspective just to say let's go and back to that change of my idea of those very very few that i knew sat there and you sort of say to me you ready for the game I'm like yeah of course yes yeah let's just see how it goes we're trained ready excited so let's go see Versus me who was there going, but what if, if this happens after 10 minutes? You'll be there, won't you? And you'll do that. And I'll be ready to do that. And if you do that again, okay, and if this happens, you'll that head saying, let me just 
make sure that step's there. Okay, it's there, off you go. And, and that was the end of the flow, but also the end of the the health, the, the stress and, and everything that followed from it. But I think in the way that you've expressed it, that's exactly what I wish someone had been able to to get to me. And, and as a final question, when is someone ready and when are they not? Because these messages are around everywhere. Because like I said, this is something I'm looking now thinking, and I know we could argue that I am just, I am here and therefore it's always been now that this has happened. But what would it have taken for that 21-year-old me who was firing into that kind of, I need this and I must get that next result to start understanding and softening to this opportunity? Does it only happen when it's right? When it's How does that come about? When When is someone yes. ready? Can everyone be connected to at every moment or is there a time and a place? I think the answer is to, to both those two possibilities you've just presented. The answer is, is, is yes, both of them. Everybody is, is, everybody's essential being is already and always inherently peaceful, yeah. without resistance, without the sense of lack. So in that sense, at every moment, everybody has this potential to be completely at peace and at ease and full of joy yeah. every moment. Everyone has that potential just by virtue of fact that, that, that they are, that they exist, that they are aware. At the same time, why it is that some people uh, hear of this possibility once, age 16, yeah. and, and thinks, yes, that, yeah. that's true. I know that's true. That's what I want. What is it that somebody, their heart gets broken for the first time, age 20, and they realize, I invested my entire happiness in a relationship that ended in a phone call. I'm yeah. actually talking about myself. That <laughs> 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 ended in, in, in a phone call. And, and, and then the recognition, I had allowed my, my happiness to be entirely dependent on a relationship which I projected into the future for the rest of my life. And it came to an end in a phone call. For me at that moment, it, it precipitated this question that really, really was the driving force of my interest in these matters. In what can we reliably invest our desire for peace and happiness when it is quite clear that if we invested in anything objective, uh, an achievement, an activity, a relationship, a substance, a circumstance, it is going sooner or later to come to an end. Yeah. And if my happiness was dependent on it, my happiness was going to come to an end as well. So if I, I don't want fleeting happiness, I want lasting happiness. Yeah. Well, what, where can I find lasting happiness? Now, why is it that I asked that question? Aged, uh, I was 21, I think. Why is it that that happened to me and not my next door neighbor? You know, Johnny, I can't answer that question i i don't know so in theory yes everybody has the potential at every moment to go directly to the peace of their true nature what is it that, that makes some people explore that invitation and others uh, postpone it or not explore it i, I can't explain that well, i mean i guess something that's really powerful for me i'm sort of enjoying your being myself book at the moment and one of those things is like you said that understanding that you're true self whatever that is isn't going anywhere 
So as long as wherever we go, wherever I went with the games, wherever I continue to go, that opportunity will still be there at that moment and that moment and that moment. Yes. Yeah. You know, it's it's the fact that you as much as you know, I, I've felt at times alone, isolated, and and very very lost. But the sheer power of that being is that it, it's allowing you to feel that way because it is so allowing. Yes. It, it, exactly. it doesn't resist it. As you said, the space of this room doesn't say yes and no to that it, yes. it's just i'm and always here. if at that moment when when you had the feeling i am lost probably your attention went to the feeling of being lost and then you compensated yeah. for it in your own particular but, but if at that moment a friend had said to you make the statement i am lost instead of going to the feeling of being lost at the, at the expense of the i am emphasize the i am yeah. That's always present. Yesterday you felt I am lonely. The day before you felt I am tired. The feeling of being lost, the feeling of being lonely, the feeling of being tired, that comes and go, but it's always the same I am. Yeah. That would have taken you to yourself prior to and independent of the feeling of being lost. The feeling of loss would have dissipated as a result of your coming back to your to your being, which is not lost and doesn't need anything objective to feel fulfilled and, and that's bringing us right back to the your answer to the life well lived which is as uncomfortable as that coming back to that feeling may seem at the time to not give your you know whatever that experience is that's where everything we're seeking lies yes ultimately even in sports we we think what do you want you want to win if you knew that winning the game would make you miserable and losing the game would make you happy. Which would you go for? Yeah. <laughs> You'd go for the loss. Yeah. It's not really winning the game. No. You win the game because winning the game brings the state of tension and expectation to an end. Yeah. And as a result of that, your innate joy briefly shines. That's the experience that everybody seeks. That's what everybody is doing. They're, they're basically, we're all seeking the being that we already are. I spent lockdown writing a book called um, You Are the Happiness You Seek. We, we are what we seek. To seek for it in something other than ourselves is a recipe for misery. Wow. Rupert, thank you. It's been an absolute pleasure. I have no idea what time it is or how thank, long we've been speaking. Thank you, John. It's, <laughs> but, been, it's uh, been a pleasure. We could have yeah, quite easily gone on all afternoon. Yeah, thank you. It's, it's, it's so, so powerful and and so uh, impactful what I think you're doing. You mentioned what I'm trying to do, but what you've been doing for so many years. And yeah, like I said, I, I was, I'd love to have been in connection with, with your message earlier, but it happened for me at the right time. Well, Johnny, you know, you had your own, your own unique path and it's because of your own unique path that you, you now want to do what you're doing now. You probably wouldn't want no, to I'm do what you're sure. doing now if, if you'd yeah. had this. So I, I think you're, your path it's been perfect for you and it's beautiful and, and that you've that you've turned your experience into what you're now doing and and what i'm doing is i'm speaking very generally not particularly to sports people or i'm speaking to to, to very wide whereas you're tailoring this to to, to to your field of sports people and, that, and that's a beautiful thing to do and, and like you say i mean the, you know the the 20 year olds that will benefit so much from from hearing this it, it's i do feel like i'm i'm where i'm supposed to be but yeah. very much the i think when people see sport start to realize as we've said numerous times you want to speak about sport and you say yeah but this is actually the same for everyone you kind of go oh, it's just people are very interested in sport 
it's a great way of sports people realizing that actually we can exist through sport outside of sport and other people who are not in sport realizing that actually they're all sportsmen as well if they want to be we're all playing life in in our own way yes brilliant thank you so so much not at all it's a pleasure and just like that we're at the end of another episode of i am i'm so so grateful to all of you for listening in I'm enormously keen that this be a two-way conversation. So if you've got any thoughts, questions, ideas, anything that's been inspired by these conversations, anything you just want to get off your chest and get out there, then please send them across in the reviews or just get in touch on social media. I absolutely love holding these types of discussions. I do believe there is no more powerful an opportunity in life than to look at what we can make of our time here on earth, individually and collectively. There's so much scope and depth in these conversations and all the learnings and lessons I do feel are limitless. If you haven't already and you want to know a little bit more about why I'm holding this space and talking to these guests, then do head over to the Tuesday episodes. There I'll explain my journey and my history with these people. I'll also use this time to answer any of your questions, so don't hesitate to get in touch and I'd love it if you'd rate, review, follow and subscribe to the show. Until next week, have a great weekend. Thanks for listening to I Am with me, Johnny Wilkinson. Before I go, I want to say a final thank you to the sponsors of today's podcast, Vitality. For me, the secret to a happy and healthy life is about living consciously. And when we can align those little things we do and decisions we make every day with the life we really want to live, it really makes a difference which is when the team over at Vitality comes in. Their comprehensive cover enables us all to live a happier, healthier life, whether it's through offering discounts on gym memberships at Virgin Active, Nuffield Health or Pure Gym, or on activity trackers from Garmin, Polar and Samsung. For me, I've been an ambassador with Vitality for several years now, and undoubtedly the feeling of true support when someone cares about you and your health and your quality of life, it makes a massive difference. So you can take the small steps to make the meaningful changes. Head to vitality.co.uk for more information. Terms and conditions apply.